Well, good morning, everyone. <coughs> it's good to see all of you. And as I said, we spent time in a concert last night. And we had almost two full rows of, of brothers and sisters that we get to worship with on a regular basis, which was really great. And um, our kids, and we had a great time, and, and just, you know, praising the Lord and wonderful music, and, and I thank God for that. <clears throat> and as I was driving home last night, I was thinking about today, an opportunity that I have to praise God with each one of you. And um, I, I already messed up. Uh, Sister Lupe, buenos dias. Dios te bendiga. That's, that's about the extent of my, uh, she, always, she always says, why don't you ever say, introduce everybody and welcome everybody. So good morning and God bless you. There we go. We're starting over. It's reset. <clears throat> but I, as I was saying, I couldn't wait to get back to worship God with each, each one of you today. And um, I wasn't here last week, not feeling well, and I listened to Brother AJ's sermon and, and I was inspired um, at him reminding us to go back and read the story of Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection. And as Christians in the world today and spending time last night with some Christians that, you know, maybe we have differences in belief, we rally around the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it should be our battle cry. It should be everything that drives us to serve the Lord. And so I was thinking about, what, what do I want to talk about? And Brother Pete mentioned in Sunday school, it's Palm Sunday. And I thought about, well, am I going to speak on Palm Sunday? And, you know, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, and they laid their cloaks and these palms before him. And I thought about, well, what do we have to lay before the Lord today? And all that he has asked us to lay before him is our lives. To lay down the sin and the weight, and as Apostle Paul says, which so easily besets us, lay it down before him. Well, I'm not going to talk about Palm Sunday. I'm going to talk about a prophecy, not my typical focus. But we mention this many times when we go into our communion service. And, and um, so I'm going to be in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah today. And <clears throat> my question to you is, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? Isaiah starts out this beautiful psalm with, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. <clears throat> And who shall declare his generation? <clears throat> for he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him in grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with, with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Well, I apologize, maybe a little more reading than we typically would do, but I wanted, you can't just read a portion of that. In, when we remember this time of year because it's so important and I want you to understand that it wasn't just for Isaiah to prophesy this. And who hath believed our report? I, I think Isaiah was almost exclaiming this at the time when he wrote this. Not so much a question like, well, who's going to believe? But an exclamation of what the Lord was going to do on behalf of not only the children of Israel, but for all of the world. That he would bear our iniquity. That he would take upon him our sins. And that he would go to the cross of Calvary and die for you and I. Well, I'm going to jump ahead because sometimes I think we think about these Old Testament prophecies and, and certainly we enjoy them and we look for application in our life and we try to understand what they mean and how do they make a difference for us today. And the beauty of God's word is we don't even really have to go that far. Um, yeah, it might be a couple hundred pages in this Bible, or I, I don't know what it is. But we flip forward 
to the New Testament. And I want you to understand this prophecy that as Isaiah did, uh, proclaimed and was given by the Lord, it applies to us today, to this very moment. And you might say, well, how does that work? You know, because he, just prior to this, he's talking about the children of Israel and the return of the children of Israel. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture found in the 34th uh, chapter of Alma as well, a little bit later. And in 2 Nephi, Jacob references this great atonement that is going to be made, infinite atonement that it needs to be made. And right before that, he's talking about the children of Israel coming back to what God has just proclaimed and receiving the salvation that is described in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Well, today we look back and we look at that, and I hope that you recognize that that prophecy was about Jesus Christ. I don't want to glance over that. And if maybe you missed that, don't, don't be ashamed. Go back and read it. And think about, as you read those scriptures, how Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. So we're going to jump ahead to the book of Acts. And there is this man who is um, a pretty, uh, pretty big deal um, in this land. He's an Ethiopian. He's a eunuch. And he has charge over Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, and the treasury and all this. So this is a pretty important guy. And he's coming to worship the Lord. And this is how we need to look at these prophecies and understand how does God take a prophecy of Isaiah so many years ago and apply it to my life today? And Philip was a servant of God. Some say he was kind of like the first evangelist. I mean, certainly the Lord set up evangelists. But Philip was active in teaching the redemption found in the book of Isaiah. And I believe that's why God used him in this way, for this man who was going to worship God. And in the 8th chapter, 26th verse of, verse of Acts and said, And an angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, as I described, a eunuch, great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. So get close to this guy. <laughs> get close to this guy. And do you think Philip was in tune with the Lord? <laughs> he certainly was. I mean, first off, the Lord tells him to go. He gets there, and then the Lord's directing him, go get by this guy. And Philip ran thither to him. 
and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Ask him a simple question. You're reading the book of Isaiah, or that, you're reading Isaiah and the prophecies of Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, and and I'm not going to read it again, but this is found in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And it talks about the sheep being led to the slaughter and like a lamb being dumb before his shears and he opened not his mouth and, and the humiliation. Okay? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? So he asked Philip this question. Who is Isaiah talking about? Is he talking about himself? And, you know, when we don't have the Spirit of God within us, when we read the Word of God, it, it's easy. We, we struggle over that. And, and even with the Spirit of God, sometimes we struggle over the understanding of the Word of God. Do we not? I mean, let's be real. Sometimes we understand um, in our own mind. And so for for him to ask this question is really not that unusual. Who's he talking about? And Philip, uh, obviously very in tune with the Spirit of God, as we've already described here, he runs to this man after the Lord directs him to. And then the Lord just opens the door. Come up here and talk to me about Isaiah. It sounds like you know something about this. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? So, you know, Philip didn't waste any time here. (laughs) The Lord had provided an opportunity for him to share this redemption that was described in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And, you know, sometimes I think we kind of lightly dance around certain things when we're trying to share the gospel with somebody. And and, and we have to be careful. I, I, I get that. But... When it comes to the redemption of the souls of the children of men, we should be careful for nothing. Philip had a desire to share this good news, the gospel that he had experienced and he had known, and the revelation of Isaiah, the prophecy that he, I'm sure, had heard as a child. And then it became a lively hope to him in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, when after Jesus had died and resurrected, the saints scattered throughout the land, and they were all responsible for spreading the good news. And so today I want to encourage us all that when we read the Word of God, when we hear it preached, when we look back at those old prophecies, we can internalize them and we can make them real to us today. They are alive. They not only pointed to Jesus Christ, but they were 
um, fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And they were fulfilled in our own lives when we took upon us the name of Jesus and we went into the waters of baptism and came out a new creature in Christ. And the Spirit of God was placed within us that we might have opportunity to share the good news. I said I was going to reference, I'm going to jump over to the 34th chapter of Alma real quick. Brother Pete uh, also encouraged you to uh, look up Amulek and, and uh, hit this particular um, account as Amulek describing this infinite atonement that was needed. And in the eighth verse, and it says, And now, behold, I will testify unto you of myself that these things are true. Behold, I say unto you that I do know that Christ shall come among the children of men, to take upon him the transgressions of his people, and that he shall atone for the sins of the world, for the Lord God hath spoken it. For it is expedient that an atonement should be made, for according to the great plan of the eternal God, that there must be an atonement made, or else all mankind must avoidably perish. Yea, all are hardened, yea, all are fallen, and are lost, and must perish, except it be through the atonement which is expedient should be made. For it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice, yea, not a sacrifice of men, neither of beast, neither of any manner of fowl, for it shall be a human sacrifice. But it must be an infinite and eternal sacrifice. Now there is not any man that can sacrifice his own blood which will atone for the sins of another. Now if a man murdereth, behold, will our law which is just take the life of his brother? I say, no. But the law requireth the life of him who hath murdered. Therefore there can be nothing which is short of an infinite atonement which will suffice for the sins of the world. Therefore, it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice. And then shall there be, or it is expedient, oh, and then shall there be, sorry, or it is expedient, there should be a stop to the shedding of blood. Then shall the law of Moses be fulfilled. Yea, it shall be fulfilled every jot and tittle, and soon shall have passed away. <clears throat> And behold, this is the whole meaning of the law, every wit pointing to the great and last sacrifice. And the great and last sacrifice will be the Son of God, yea, infinite and eternal. Well, sometimes I think we forget that this is prophetic as well, just like Isaiah was. This is before Christ had come. And, and we know in reading the account of Lehi, that they went back to get the records so that they would remember these things. And so certainly they had some knowledge, but God revealed unto Amulek. Because if you go back to remember what he said, I tell you that these things are true because I know them myself. I've experienced them. And so I would ask you today, have you experienced 
the mercy and the redemption of Jesus Christ in your life. Have you experienced the mercy and redemption of Jesus Christ in your life? Amen. It should be what drives every avenue that we go down. It should be what motivates us to spread the good news, to have a desire that others might hear and might know of this redemptive power that Jesus Christ came and took on the sins of all mankind. He loved us so greatly and he gave up his life willingly. You know, I, I don't know about you, but as you drive around churches and those that have like the little billboards and things that they put up and uh, many of the ones talk about, um, of course, a lot of them were talking about Palm Sunday this week. And, um, but one I drove by the other day, uh, it said, some think three nails held Jesus to the cross. Some think three nails held Jesus to the cross. <clears throat> we certainly understand what crucifixion is and as we study it. We've talked about it many times here. And certainly we know that the nails were driven in his hands and in his feet. And he bears eternal scars because he was the eternal sacrifice. And he was the only one who was worthy. But I'm here to tell you today, it wasn't three nails that held him to the cross. It was his love for each and every one of you and for me. Sinners who have nothing to give the Lord from the fall of Adam, even unto today. We have nothing. We're born into sin. And we have this sinful world around us. We have nothing of worth or of value. We can't give up our own life or our own blood. He instead asks us to give, us, give up our hearts and our desires and place our trust in Him so that we can receive His love. And his love is what kept him on the cross. Yeah, he was fulfilling the will of the Father. Yes, that is true as well. But God loves you, each and every one of you. Brother Pete talked about repentance this morning. And, uh, sorry, what was the other R we talked to focus on? Uh, Release, releasing. We have to repent. And then we release those sins when we repent with a truly repentant heart, with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Then we need to release those sins, not ponder them and allow Satan to continue to stir them up and to prod you and say, you're not worthy. Because you know what? He's right. You're not worthy. But Jesus Christ, our Savior, is worthy. Don't believe the lie that Satan will have you to try to believe because Satan knows the end game. He knows the end of the battle. And he is trying to seek 
and divide and devour as many as he can. And so as Christians in this world today, and as we celebrate, even as Brother AJ prayed this morning, this wonderful month of remembering the Lord's sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, be encouraged. Take the words of the book of Acts and and the, the story of Philip and the eunuch and say, Lord, how can I be used How can I spread the good news? Allow the word of God to be used in me. Philip was no different than any of you or even me today. He had determined that he was going to believe the report. And he was going to share it with whoever the Lord directed him to. And God is the same yesterday, today, and he will be forever. So that tells me that our role is just as important as Philip's role, or Isaiah's role, or Amulek's role. We have a role to play in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we we take it unto ourselves, and we just continue to face this internal struggle. We're not able to release those things that would weigh us down. And instead, if we grasp on to Jesus Christ, knowing the battle has already been won, knowing that he loved you so greatly, and that's what held him on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. I hope that excites you today. I hope that you're excited for this season of time. And, and it's unfortunate because we kind of take these times, and we talk about this at Christmas, the birth of our Savior, and, and, the, and the miraculous things that it is. But these stories are true each and every day of our life. It's not just one season or one week, or this is Palm Sunday, and next Sunday is Easter, and, and we're going to focus on this. The redemptive power of Jesus Christ is a daily thing. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life when sin has overtaken me, I many times get weighed down so heavily. And it takes that release we talked about this morning in Sunday school. It takes that repentant heart and that release that I could be stirred up again and that I could remember that my Savior loved me so great that he hung upon the cross of Calvary and he died for those very sins that are weighing me down that I wouldn't have to bear them anymore. So take encouragement in that today. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Be enthused about Jesus Christ. I want to share a song um, as I close. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful song. And um, it's a reminder of God's love to his children. It's a reminder of this concept of Jesus giving his life 
for you and for me and for all of mankind. I, I tried to find a version that would have the words on it, but it's kind of a slower song, so I'm hoping just listen to the words. It, it doesn't, doesn't have the words coming across. Um, it's sung by one of my favorite singers, um, David Phelps, and he's got some accompaniment from uh, some of the, the other Gaither vocal band uh, folks. And it's called Written in Red. So I pray that God will, in, you will enjoy it. I pray that God will bless you. Even as you ponder throughout this week um, the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ and the power that it has in your life and in the lives of those that are around us. May God bless you is my prayer today. Oh, I really enjoyed Brother Austin today. God bless you, brother. Amen. And uh, this morning, I, I had a wonderful morning. Um, I love to just hit YouTube and I'll type in a maybe a message or a certain theme to, to the songs. And YouTube's so smart. It's a smart device. It just starts pulling up a mix. It's just amazing, right? And I'm listening to um, songs like um, How Marvelous, How Wonderful. I'm listening to songs about being redeemed of the Lord. I'm listening to songs about Then Came the Morning and uh, Jesus Came Out of the Tomb. It was just powerful. And it was this beautiful crescendo in my soul. Um, as this song was just singing a cappella, um, how marvelous, how wonderful. I, I just kind of broke down at the sink. And, and I thank the Lord for blessing me with the Holy Spirit. Do you ever do that, brothers and sisters? Do you feel the Holy Spirit and you thank the Lord that you fill him? Amen? Boy, isn't, isn't that what serving God's all about? He took my sins and my sorrows and he made, him, made them his very own and bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. And one day, brothers and sisters, we're going to sing with the ransomed in glory. Are you ransomed today? Can you raise your hand, all of you that have been ransomed? Do you know what that even means? Yes, yes, you know what it means. You've been redeemed, ransomed. To set you free, somebody paid a price for that. It was Jesus. His face I at last shall see. It will be my joy through the ages. And I'm going to tell you, this is a, this is a given. I don't care where, what you believe or where we're from. This is a given. We'll all be singing of the Savior's love up in the heavens above one day. Can you imagine what that choir is going to be like? So, brothers and sisters, go back to that last scripture, Brother Micah, which is in the Book of Mormon. And Amulek is so beautiful. I'm a bottom line guy. Um, uh, the last verse that Austin spoke. It wasn't the eighth. Huh? Yeah, keep going. Nine. Bingo, right there. Fourteen. Perfect. I'm a bottom line guy. You a bottom line person? Right? What's the bottom line? Just, just you know, skip to the end with me. Sometimes... My wife starts to tell me a story, and I'm like, get, get, get to the end, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not patient. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll do better, babe. 
The Lord made me this way. I'm bottom line. That's who I am. Well, this is the bottom line. Amulek's saying, now this is the whole meaning. You want to know what the meaning of life is, brothers and sisters? You, after it's all said and done, read this. This is the meaning of life. Jesus died for you and me. That's the meaning of life. We sit and we ponder and we work through all these things, but at the end of the day, every width of life points to that great and sacri last sacrifice on Calvary. Amen. Brothers and sisters, friends today, it's the whole meaning of life. Jesus died for me, and he rose again. Praise the Lord. At that great and last sacrifice, no more do we got to sacrifice, brothers and sisters. All I got to do is go to the Lord with a, with a heart that's contrite. It says, I made a mistake, Father. Can you forgive me? And that sacrifice is infinite. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. It's eternal, and it's constantly with power until the end of life. Amen? All right, so I'm going to step out on faith here. Don't disappoint me, brothers and sisters. You, you going to work with me today? We, you with me? All right. Deacons, come on up front right here with two microphones. I want to go back to that scripture that's in Acts. Austin, what verse is it in Acts where Philip preached him Jesus? We're going to put this scripture on the, on, the, on the board. Brothers, just on each side, okay? So let's go to Acts, Brother Micah. Yep, we're, we're looking it up. 835. We're going to look this, this verse up. All right. I, I love this because in this little wee verse, I'm a bottom line guy. I told you that. You like that? Bottom line? Here's the bottom line right here. All this stuff in Isaiah and, and that eunuch was, would you say he was a little confused? And Philip opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. You think he preached unto him Calvary? Yeah. You think he preached unto him that he had to repent? Yes. It's called the gospel. You think he preached unto him that he was a sinner? Yes. And that he needed baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus? Yes. Did he preach unto him that Christ rose from the grave? Yes. That's that's the story. That's the gospel. All right. All right. So with that, here's what we're going to do. You each got 30 seconds. If you ever close your eyes and let a whole minute pass, pretty long. You agree? All right. You got 30 seconds. I'll even give you a minute because I want to hear from as many today as possible. We got 15 minutes. Next week, we won't have testimony because it's Easter. All right. So I want to ask you a question. If we get through this, I'm going to ask you another question. And maybe we can, we can get a lot in, right? Um, remember I said first in, first out. We don't want to go too long here. But we, we do want to get to this. I want to really hear from you. So, I'm going to ask you a question. Who preached unto you Jesus? Now, it, it could be a general comment. It could be specific. Okay, no stories. We don't want a story. We want an answer. Who preached unto you Jesus? And then what does Jesus mean to you after you accepted that message? What, is it, what does he mean to you? Okay? Look, look what Jesus meant to the, to the eunuch 
He went right to the water. Isn't that powerful? So what does Jesus mean to you? 